we're talking about the whole subject about invested, and I better just wipe my fingerprints off. I can't see. It does look like it's invested. <laughs> um, right, here we go. Yeah, over the last couple of weeks, we've had a couple of messages on being invested. And of course, that's the best place you can be. Jesus himself was invested into the kingdom of God, into the house of God, into the church. So this morning, I want to uh, start in a verse or in chapters, uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 42, right through to 47, because I want to talk about the importance of the church uh, and the greatness of the church that uh, Christ has called us to. So if you have your Bibles with you, just turn to Acts chapter 2, verse 42, and I'm reading from uh, my version, not the version I've made up, but uh, the version that I read from, <laughs> which says, and, and they were continually steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, and in fellowship, and in breaking of the loaves, and in prayers. And fear came on every soul, and many wonders and miracles took place through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things common. And they sold their possessions and goods and distributed them to all, according to as many had need. And continuing one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they shared food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God, having favor with all people, and the Lord added to the church daily those that were being saved. Let me just pray before we start. Heavenly Father, I just thank you today for your word. I thank you for your truth. And Lord, as we look at your word today, I pray you'll speak to us through it. God, let it not be my words, let it be your words spoken through me, God, to, for the people to hear, to be challenged by, to grow by. Father, we thank you this day, and we give you all the glory in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Well, in the book of Acts, if we just go back a few verses, we see the occasion of the Apostle uh, Peter standing up and declaring to many people about the Christ. And it says in verse 41, those who gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added about 3,000 souls. 3,000 people. He declared the word of God, and 3,000 people were added that day. Now, what do you do when you have 3,000 people come to Christ. What is the next thing? You just say, well, thanks guys, it's really good you've given your life to Christ. Off you go. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not like that. No, this, this is where the church comes in. The people of God need to nurture and look after, after these people. And this is exactly what we see in the following verses in Acts 2.41. It says, and they were continuing steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship and in the breaking of the loaves and in the prayers. We see, the, we see here a picture of them coming together to learn. Firstly, it says they devoted the, the, themselves, um, they devoted or invested their time into learning the Word of God. You know, there's three key things in this passage that we need to invest into learning from the early church here. Firstly, it says they devoted to the apostles' teaching the Word of God. Each one of us has an opportunity to read the Word of God. You don't have to wait till Sunday. In fact, Sunday shouldn't be the one time that you hear the Word of God. You know, we need to sit down a time in our devotional time. Or even if you find that hard, I don't know where to start. There's plenty of devotional books you can buy out there. I've got one by Smith Wigglesworth, and I'll tell you what, it's, it's kind of really cool. You only got to read a bit of Smith Wigglesworth. Uh, he's just such a, 
he was such a powerful man of God, and uh, it always gives you a little boost, you know, spiritually because of, of, of his faith statements and the power in his words. And if you don't know Smith Wigglesworth, you need to read some of his books. They're incredible. Uh, the power of God on this man, just a very simple man. Started at, uh, I think, age 48 in his ministry. Finished around 84 when he died. Um, and just very simple. He was a plumber and uh, just a very simple guy and uh, wasn't taught in in any uh, training colleges and things like that, but he just believed in one thing. And he says, the only book I read is the Bible. I carry it everywhere with me. That's all I read from. That's what I believe. He's a bit of an eccentric character as well. Uh, many people that went to visit him said he'd be like that. He would greet you at the door, come on in, sit down, and he'd open up his Bible and start speaking a few verses to you, and he'd close them up, and then he'd disappear. And he'd go off for a little sleep, and he'd come back, and you're sitting there going, well, what's going on here? And he'd start reading a bit more. But the power of God, because he was so invested into the God's Word, he's, he was just totally consumed by it. That's all he could see. So he found it not like surprising that people were healed when he laid hands on them. He was not surprised that people fell over when he just walked through places nearby, because it was the power of God that was on him. And uh, incredible stories, uh, Smith Wigglesworth. And, uh, but that's just one devotional. You may have your own little favorites there, and there's plenty out there. But you need to really start getting into it. I'm telling you, once you get into a devotional and really start getting into the Word of God, it gives you an incredible lift. It gives you a whole new scope in life. And this is what these early disciples uh, did. So they received Jesus. They came together, and it said they were continuously steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. They were listening. They were Spending time, you know, listening to the Word of God. And we like to do that every so often. We will put on courses here because we want you to expand your thinking. Let's not just go... Some of us, like, you know, I've seen this before. I know some people that have been in church all their life, but they're still living off of almost like kindergarten teaching. You know, I remember when I was a kid, I was sent to Sunday school, as they called it then, and we are taught Noah's Ark and all that sort of stuff. And you had that concept of some of those very basic stories, but some people just live off that for the rest of their life. Oh, yeah, I know a bit of the Bible. Yeah, I wish be. Oh, Noah's Ark. Yeah, I learned that when I was about five. Yeah. And, uh, and they kind of think they can just carry through life with that. But there is so much in the Word of God that you need to actually dig into. There is gold in there. It will change your life. It will transform your thinking. And, and you'll be a different person for it, I'm telling you. And, uh, and you can... What I find so amazing, it is a living Word of God, because there's passages I have read many times, and I find something new in it every time. You go, what's this? It's kind of like, you know, <laughs> you know the, the, the little kids' things, the lucky dip, you, you put it in, and, and oh, I've got this, and you pull out and something different, but it's all out of the same container. And uh, it's like that with the Word of God. You can pull out so many things out of it, even though you may have read that passage. The second time around, something something jumps out. You go, hey, I don't remember that. I've read this before. How come I missed that? Because it's alive. God speaks to you through His Word for your situation, for your time, for your day. Whatever you're going through, God has the answers for you. So here we are. The first part of a flourishing church is that we must be devoted to the Word of God. We must be invested daily into His Word. Daily we must read it, live from it, think about it. Don't just read it like an assignment, like, I'm going to be a good Christian today and impress God. I've just read, you know, chapter 1 of Genesis. Well, there you go. Hey, that's, that's great. 
But did you actually get anything out of it? Did you actually stop to ponder and think and say, God, what are you saying to me out of this, out of this chapter? Bring things alive to me. You know, bring things, uh, illuminate things. That's where the word revelation really comes from. God will illuminate things to you for your situation, for you, and for you alone. You know, it's just kind of crazy. Uh, and God does it even sometimes corporately for the church. How many times, uh, Ming will testify to this. There she is at the back there. How many times, like, you know, one of us will preach a message and uh, she'll meet me afterwards and she'll say, you stole my message for Wednesday for my connect group. <laughs> and I said, what do you mean? She goes, have a look. Here's my notes. I was, I was just going to talk about this and you just said that. And we'll find there's a build-up even from like the songs Millie may have picked. There's just certain words in there that we spoke and like Sharon spoke this morning uh, on her offering talk about remembering God is done. And I already thought about this whole remembering thing. And it's just a theme. God sort of puts it all together. You know, It's just we don't get the script beforehand. And um, so it's quite amazing, but we need to actually spend time in God's Word, drawing out of it. That's life. That's life. Don't worry about what's going on Channel 9, Channel 7 News, as I always call the fake news. Um, you need to actually get the real news, and that's in God's Word. That is His truth. That was written thousands of years ago, and it's still the same today as it was yesterday, and it will be forevermore. And that is the, the foundation you can build on. You can't build on a world that keeps changing its ideas every five minutes. But you can bank on God's word being true and stand in the test of time. So it says they devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles, the word of God. They made it a priority. They were invested in it. They were passionate and hungered to know the truth. Are you passionate this morning and hungry to know the truth of God, about the things of God? I certainly am. Like I said, I just, even from day one, I was hungry when I first heard about I, I kind of grew up in a family where we had an awareness of God, but we didn't really invest into anything to do with God. We didn't go to church. We didn't do things like that. I was only sent to, like I said, Sunday school because I, I think my mum just needed a break from me and uh, <laughs> thought it would be a good idea just to send me away for a while. And, uh, but I think we need to understand that God wants you to invest in those things. And uh, like I said, when I invested, even as a young kid, I still remember those little stories and the pictures and things like that. And then later on, when I actually made a decision for Christ, it was like, it wasn't unfamiliar to me because when I was a kid, I picked up certain things. But I just loved it when I got my first Bible and it had red writing in parts of it. And I go, this is cool. I've never had a book with bits of red writing in it before. And then when I found out it was Jesus, it's like, that's all I wanted to read was the red writing. And people say, no, you've got to read everything because you won't get the context of it all. Oh, but this is really cool. Jesus taught, you know. And, and, and it was that passion. And each one of us should have, have that passion. Like, it'd be like I start reading the passage and go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, here comes the red. Here comes the red. <laughs> oh, this is Jesus. Better really listen to this, you know. And you'd be just really honing it. It was just a hunger and a thirst to know the word of God. Because I saw it and I believed it and, and I saw the, the impact of that. You know, when Jesus, you know, said, greater things shall you do than I, and, and saw them laying hands on the sick and stuff, and then you just go, okay, well, I'm going to give this thing a go, and you see people healed. It's like, wow, this is incredible. The healings we have seen through this church time has been incredible. And when you're part of that, it's like, whoa, you know, God has used me in this moment, and, uh, and he will use you and I if you're just open to those things. But secondly, from being devoted to the Word of God, 
It says they were devoted to fellowship. They're invested into one another. See, we don't come here individually and like ignore each other. Oh, I'm just here for God. Sorry, I've got room for you. Sorry. I'm not interested in you. I'm a holy man. I'm just here for God. Thank you. Uh, It's not like that. We are the church. Everyone here is the church. The church means the, uh, the proper word means the called out ones. We are the church. It's not the building. That's, this is the building. So if we had no walls here, we are still the church, right? You got that? We are still the church. So each one of us are connected. We're all connected. So you can't have this disconnect. And uh, as it says, they will continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship. Wow, we have some great fellowship here, some great laughing. I hear the ladies' group on Wednesday. I call in there to see if they've got any good food on offer. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, but they're having a ball out there, having a good time. I hear the girls having a laugh, and I, I have to watch myself because I poor Ming, I don't know how she puts up with me because I suddenly take over a group, and I don't mean to. <laughs> I said, I'm going, I'm leaving, I'll leave it to you. But each group that we have in our connect group is just a great time of fellowship. It's just, it's just fun, 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 fun. And, uh, and, and it reminds me, you know, this is where Hebrews 10.25 brings to light. It says, let us not give up meeting together. The Bible emphasizes that we all should come together on a regular basis. We need each other. We, we're not called to do life on our own. Can you imagine being on your own on a little desert island or something? It's like, well, it's pretty boring. Who, who, who am I going to talk to? You know, some of us probably like talking to ourselves. I've heard a few people do it. Uh, but... Uh, you know, it's no fun when nobody's talking back. It's like, yeah. have you seen those people that talk, you know, to themselves? And there's a few of them. And they, it's not me. I go, who are you talking to? <laughs> we used to have a guy out here, and, uh, and I just sort of popped in, and uh, he, he was saying, I thought he was talking to me, and he was talking to himself. And I said, oh, sorry, I missed that. What, what did you say? He goes, I didn't say anything to you. I said, I thought you were talking to me. No, 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 no. Oh, no. Oh, sorry. That's just me. I just talked to myself. Oh, okay. That's fine. So I start walking away and then he does it again. I said, Oh, sorry. Did you ask? Did you just say something to me? <laughs> so, oh, no, no, no. It's just me talking to myself again. So, all right. And I just didn't know. And then I start walking out and then he did want me. So I don't know. Anyway, uh, Hebrews 10 25. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. So here we have an instruction to meet together fellowship together. This is what we're doing here this morning and we will do later on in the cafe and in our connect groups, wherever we can, always look for an excuse to get together. Like you don't have to wait for an official church thing. You can ring some friends up and say, hey, look, what are you doing tonight? You want to come over? You know, this kind of thing. We do that all the time. And I know a lot of you guys do that. It says, because it's important. Now, when I read the scripture, I know the scripture is not just there to fill in blank pages. It's actually there as an encouragement to you, for instruction for you, for teaching and training and stuff. Because it goes on to say, but let us encourage one another. When you come together in fellowship, there's an awesome moment where you can actually start talking about things. You know, you're going through some tough moments. You've got someone else there to help you. Like say, oh, really? Hey, can I help you with that? You know, encourage one another. That is one of the greatest things that you can do is to encourage somebody. And we've got some great encouragers here. And, uh, and I encourage you to be more of an encourager. If you're not encouraging people, look for those ways. And I think when you start encouraging others, it gives you a different aspect in life. It makes you feel better. You know, so many people are always looking at themselves and so inwardly looking like, oh, my life's a mess, this, whatever. If you just stop looking at yourself and look at others and start encouraging them, I'm telling you, you'd be lifted out of that place. You wouldn't have time 
to, uh, to complain. But it says, let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, I thought that was quite a key uh, word there because the day approaching can refer to the day of judgment, the day of Christ's return. And here it is, the author of Hebrews is saying, let all the more so be done before the day approaching. So there is an urgency that we come together an urgency that we spend time together because of the days ahead. Now, the great thing about the Bible, it not only tells us about the beginning, it tells us about the end. And at some stage in this year, I'll be heading back into the book of Revelations and tying in probably some of the stuff that, weird stuff that's going on right now. But uh, the day is approaching, so you need to be aware of what is happening, otherwise you're going to be freaked out. But coming together, you're able to encourage one another, uplift one another, support one another, be with one another, and put smiles on your dials because we know how all this ends. God wins. We're on the winning team. And that's how you can encourage one another. You know, when people go, I've had people go, oh, look, this is terrible. What's going on in the world? This and what I go, yeah, but you know what? We win. Yeah, but you don't stand this. guy. He said, yeah, but you know what? We win. And when you get that, you're not worried. I'm not worried about what's going on. People are in fear and that, my family and stuff. I go, I'm not worried. Not the slightest. Because I know we win. I know, what, I know how it ends out. I've read the back of the book. When I was at school, we used to have to do assignments and we had to read a novel and uh, we had to write a whole essay on the book. I didn't do that. It was too much reading for me. <laughs> so I'd go to the back of the book and see how it finishes. I'd read a little bit at the beginning, ask a lot of questions, read a little bit that was on the cover about what the author would say about the book and I'd fudge it from there. <laughs> and I got through okay and I didn't read the whole book. Uh, but uh, just a bit of imagination, throw a few things in there, and uh, away you go. But it's so important that we are prepared for the days ahead. We come together. We come together to support one another. So let us not give up meeting together. Let's, it says, have that fellowship. Fellowship one another. And then it goes on to, it says, devoted in breaking of the bread. Now, there's two references in this whole thing. Of course, we always think the breaking of the bread for communion, which is totally right. But there's also a more of an uh, emphasis, too, on the whole of meeting together for a meal. You're breaking bread, sitting down, having a chat. And um, so here is encouraging people to come together in fellowship. And it says, in the breaking of the loaves and in prayers. It says, the breaking of the loaves. That's coming together at mealtime. You know how much fun it is when you're sitting around having food? You know, it is, it's more fun than just sitting around without food, you know. And I found that anyway. I don't know about you, but I just kind of find it, it's an extra bonus when there's food on the table and you're talking, you know. And um, as, uh, as uh, I think Corey and Lisa found out when I went to visit their group one time, I, I went to their connect group. I said, look, don't worry. Pretend I'm not here, okay? I'm just not here. I'm just going to sit here and just watch, observe, all right? So they start their meeting around their table and they got a bit of food there. And I think Corey was talking this next minute. Rip, rattle, rattle. I'm trying to get into these Tim Tam packets. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I'm making this noise. They all stop, look at me. Like, oh, ignore me. Pretend I'm not here. <laughs> but there was a great feel in that moment of like just sitting around a table, eating, enjoying each other's company, learning the word of God, and spending time with one another. And that's what we need to do. We need to do more of that. Uh, or, or even going out. You know, it's great. I know a few groups here after church, they go out somewhere for lunch. And have a fun time. So we can all do that. That's all great. And then finally it says, uh, be devoted to prayer. 
So let's just read that again. It says, And they were continuously steadfast in the apostles' doctrine. They were reading the word. And in fellowship, breaking the, of loaves, they came together in fellowship. And then it says, in prayers. Such an important thing. Their focus was on God himself. They gave themselves to a life of prayer. Jesus said his house should be known as a house of prayer. The early church knew the necessity of seeking God and his will in prayer. A great church is a praying church. You can't have a great church that doesn't pray. If you're not praying, you're not connecting with God. There's a supernatural transaction that takes place when we start praying, when we connect with God. A great church will devote itself to prayer because it depends upon God for its existence. As one person said, if we speak our needs with others, which is okay, we get what people can do. But when we speak our needs to our Heavenly Father, we get what God can do. Big difference. So in this passage, we see these three key things. And it sums up in Acts 2.44. It says, all the believers were together and had everything in common. You know what happens when we come together and we've got everything in common? We're not fighting one another. We're not like... Uh, connecting with one another, but when we come together, we're all on the same page, we're all going on the same direction, something happens. It's called unity. Unity happens. As we found in this, it says, they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, breaking the bread, unity all together. And you know what happened out of all that? Out of all that coming together, we read in Acts 2.46, I think it was, uh, yeah, it says... Um, it continues on, it says, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together and glad with sincere hearts and praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And it says then, And the Lord added to their number daily those being saved. I'm telling you, when we come together as a church, as what this is described as a church, and we practice all those things, we all have the same in common, God adds to the church. God brings people into the church. Because God's not going to bring people into a house where there's distraction, fighting, craziness going on, division or whatever. He wouldn't trust that. People are too important to him. He's not going to risk that. He's not going to allow people to come into a church that hasn't got all sorted. And that's why it's so important that we have unity, that we're all on the same page. And it's so good when we get people coming into this house going, wow, I love this morning. I had a great experience. It was great. People really welcomed me. I felt like, you know, I was special. Well, that's what you should be because God thinks you're special. And so do we. So hopefully if you're with us for the first time, that was your experience this morning. And, um, and, and that, that's the whole deal of the whole building of the church was to reach people, to uh, have fellowship one another, to study together, all these things. And that's what we can do. But that's the life of a Christian we are called to be invested into. We're called to be invested into the house of God, into the things of God to make his house flourish. And perhaps this morning, you know, you may have not even started this journey yet. I'm telling you, the church is the most exciting place to be. The church is where it's all happening. You know, I just love, I stay up actually on Fridays. Um, not that I go to bed early normally, but uh, Ashley gets home from youth around 10, 10.30. And uh, I'll just wait up just to ask the question when she comes in. How was youth tonight? Oh, it was amazing. I had these salvations, I had healings and and somebody said this and did this. It's just great. That is the life of the church. That is the life. You know, we can't wait to have what happens, you know, next week. What's going on next week? It should be like that. Like, oh, can't wait for Sunday. Man, I believe Sunday's going to happen. Wow, what's going to happen? You just never know what God's going to do. Yeah, like I said, we were in a simple meeting. We, we shared the testimony last week of Chloe here. 
just a simple meeting. We're just praying for people. And uh, I think Sophie uh, was asked to pray for her knees, like, and, and she just got healed. Like, you just never know. You know, why would you want to miss an opportunity for God to move? And I'm telling you, when you come together like that, it's just amazing. God moves. And I'm telling you, that journey starts when you invest into the kingdom. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. Your life becomes a plus and is added to when you seek first the kingdom. That's why we do all these things that we do, you know, like meet together. We, uh, the offering that we had earlier was all about the focus of seeking first the kingdom of God. This morning, you may be in this place and you haven't started that journey. You know, it's never too late. God's arms are wide open to you to receive him today. Jesus died for you, and that's the message, the gospel. That Jesus so loved the world, <clears throat> he died for you. And this morning, if you've not started that journey, not invested it into the kingdom of God, where the life is, you have an opportunity. It's a simple prayer. Simple prayer which each one of us that have given our life to Jesus have done, asking Jesus into your life, asking to forgive you of your sins, to make yourself uh, right by the side of God again, and ask him to come live inside you. So in this last minute, I just want you to close your eyes wherever you are because I believe God is speaking to you right now. God never misses an opportunity to give you an invitation to His kingdom. And I don't want to miss that moment either. So this morning, if you're just feeling like, I need to get my life right. You know, my life has got no purpose, no meaning. And I've just heard that there's meaning and hope and life in Jesus, in his church. He's made it that way. It's for his purpose, for his glory. I want to be part of that church life. I want to be part of that kingdom. I want Jesus, my Lord and Savior. If that's you in this place this morning, with every head bowed or eye closed, just raise your hand so I can see that hand, and I want to pray for you. One prayer away from being in the kingdom of God. Amen. I see that hand. Thank you. You can put it down again. That's all good. Thank you. I'm telling you right now, it's in these moments that God will be speaking to you. But you can also have a battle because the devil doesn't like to lose anyone. God is touching you right now. God is speaking into your world. You need to respond. Don't miss the opportunity. Don't miss this opportunity right now. Perhaps you once made this declaration as a child and like now you've sort of kind of slacking off a little bit and you've sort of drifted from God, well, it's time to come back to Him. It's okay. His arms are open wide for you. Or perhaps you're not sure this morning. Well, let's be sure. Let's leave this place knowing I am a child of God and no matter what happens, I'm going to spend eternity with Him. Isn't that a great assurance? Rather than walking out of this place going, I've got no idea what's happening tomorrow. I don't know what's going on in the world. I don't know anything. So if that's you this morning, just raise your hand wherever you are and I'll see that hand and... Uh, we're going to pray. Amen. Amen. See that hand. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. See that hand. See that hand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Can we all stand this morning? We're going to say this prayer together because I like to encourage those that have raised their hands this morning that we're all with them. We're all in unity. We're all family together today and always. This is called the sinner's prayer for you that have never said this before. But we're all going to join in this morning. So follow me. Dear Lord Jesus, 
I know that I am a sinner. And I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn now from my sins and invite you to come into my life to be my Lord and Savior now and forever. Amen.